0: Back for another edition of In the Huddle, guys. It's the Super Bowl version. Carl Dukes put him up, along with my man Brian Baldinger. He's out in Phoenix, along with Nick Costos. And guys, he's there as well. And he's here to help us break down all of the craziness that we'll be looking at Sunday. You'll be looking at your friends and your buddies, and you're going, I can't believe I bet this. That's why Nick is here, and he's here to get us right. All right, Nick, let's start first with... What's getting bet on? Like obviously the game, but let's get what's getting more action when you look at the overall Super Bowl right now. You
2: know, I, I, I there's a prop bet that that everyone I feel like in the sports betting content space likes, and it doesn't mean that it's going to lose because of that. Like it can win. I just think it's very interesting that Kenny Gainwell. It's like coming up next on CBS. Everybody loves Kenny. Like everybody loves Kenny Gainwell this week, and like Kenny Gainwell's a really good player. Obviously, for but he's the been, he's
1: been been their best back in the postseason, Nick by far. So,
2: Baldy, like curious, what you think about this? Carl, what you think about this? Everyone thinks Kenny Gainwell is going to have a huge rushing game. So, his rushing yards prop is normally like seven and a half to nine and a half, or maybe like the low double digits, ten and a half, whatever. It's 19 and a half in the Super Bowl. So, it's been bet way up. Miles Sanders' rushing yards prop has also been bet up, opened in like the mid to low 50s, and now is sitting at about 60 and a half. So, I think bettors are bullish on kind of like the Philly rushing attack. For me, on the Gainwell one, I I don't see it here. Now, maybe Gainwell could have a big game catching the football here. If if Philly's going to roll Kansas City in the game, and I don't anticipate that happening, I think it's going to be a close game one way or the other. The betting market does as well. Philly's a slight favorite in the game. And I think, like, Gainwell's, like, likely path to success in this game is catching the football. Like, when Philly leans on teams like they did against the Giants or against San Francisco when the Niners had no quarterback, right? That's when they're shuttling all the running backs in and out. But when, when the game is close, like their pass rate is way over expectation in, in neutral situations, right? When they're either when they're when they're trailing or when the game is close. So I think the game's going to be close. I don't think this is a game where Kenny Gainwell has like a ton of rushing attempts or rushing yards. So maybe that's just me. I just think that's interesting that like everyone's like Kenny Gainwell's like the guy here for the Super Bowl.
1: I, think you're I right, disagree yeah.
2: with that because of the way I think the game is playing out.
1: Well, he's got 195 total yards in two games, but you know they're they're blowout games. They've had 68 runs in these two blowout postseason games, and so you know you get Boston Scott gets carries and miles, and and so Gainwell is there in situations where if it's a close game, he's not on the field. To your point, I mean you you did your homework on that, Nick.
0: Yeah, I, the whole Eagles blowing them out because you know they blew the 49ers out and they blew the Giants out a different animal. If you're basing your bets on that, don't, okay? It's completely off base going into the Super Bowl. Let's talk about props. Everybody wants one, all right? One year, Nick, I bet it was dumb on the national anthem, okay? I was like, i Not oh, dumb at all. It's great. It's going to go over two minutes. I know she's going to be more soulful. She'll definitely go over. It didn't, and I lost money. I should have just handed it over, but what are the prop bets that people are looking at, and specifically, what are you looking at?
2: All right, so first off, um, I will text you, Carl, and Baldy, okay. if you're interested as well. Um, sports bettors will generally, like, we will know the rehearse, the exact rehearsal time for the sure. National Anthem, like today... So what? It always happens on like Thursday or Friday, no doubt. We like we sports betters will get the information. Like I'm not going to tweet it out. I'm not like thirsty for cloud. Like so, like like people will like tweet that information out for cloud. You're like, oh, I'm trying to help gamblers. It's like no, like you're looking for retweets. Like you suck at life. I hate those people. So like I will get this information hopefully at some point today or tomorrow, and I will bet this, and I won't be the only one. I'll I'll be like the 500th person that finds out. So we'll all bet it, and like it'll get blasted, and then it's going to get pulled off the board. then put back up later so like hopefully we will know what the anthem time is and i will text you when i find out and we can hopefully all bet it and make some money on it because we will know the we will have the answers to the test before it's given like that is a bet that you make and we will win the bet so hopefully that hopefully we get that as far as the bets that i'm making here like this is the ultimate like stupid bet game where you want to make some stupid bets i'm all for it just like do it knowing that it's entertainment. Like you go to see a movie, you pay $20, you're entertained at the end of the movie, that'll give you your money back, right? So that's how I look at some of these. It's entertainment, right? You win, great. If you lose, whatever, it's for the rush. I bet the coin toss every single year. It is the stupidest bet that you can place because it is a literal 50-50 proposition where you have to pay a VIG on it at minus 105 when it should be plus 100. So the sportsbook is literally gouging you, and I know that. And I still do it because it's a blast. And the rush you get when, like, the coin is about to get flipped and when it's in the air is unbelievable. So I'm not saying, like, this is, like, a huge money bet. But I I bet the coin toss based on the inexorable scientific theorem, which is up there with Einstein's theory of relativity, guys, which, of course, is tails never fails. It's science. It's proof. Unless it does and it's heads. But I'll be betting the coin toss to be tails as far as uh, on-field stuff for the game. And Baldy, like, fascinated here. What do you think about some of these? So, just thinking, like, conceptualizing, like, the on field and how I think the game is going to play out. Um, and we talked about this with the Giants game and then the Niners game, right, against Philadelphia, where I, I, I don't see Kansas City having success on the perimeter, right? So, for me, like, Marquez Valdez Scantling could go over on one reception. I I think he's going to go under. I think he might goose egg the game going up against Slay and Bradbury. Kansas City's path to attack is going to be passing-wise over the middle of the field, right, against this Eagles defense, staying away from the perimeter. Um, Maybe Kelsey has a huge game. Now, I would think that Jonathan Gannon, maybe he's the next Cardinals coach. We'll see, right? Um, We'll try to sell out to stop Kelsey. Easier said than done, right, with maybe the greatest tight end ever. So Kelsey could have a monster game, obviously. And if you think Kelsey's going to have a monster game, I would bet him to be MVP. I think he's the only, like, non-quarterback that has a shot to win. Uh, We can talk about that if you guys want at some point as well. I like Juju's matchup in this game. Yo, he practiced yesterday on Wednesday when we got the first injury report. Like Juju in the slot, basically, away from those perimeter cornerbacks. Because of the injury concerns with the Chiefs wideouts, with Tony and Juju, at this point right now in the week, Juju's receiving yards prop is in like the low to mid 30s. Uh, I think he goes way over that. So Juju uh, receiving yards over, MVS receiving yards under. And on the Philly side, I'll take the Gainwell rushing yards under. That's one I already gave you. Is one that I feel really good about. One of my favorite bets for the big game.
0: Nick Costos, guys. My man, Brian Baldinger. Baldy, I'm Carl Dukes. This is In the Huddle Super Bowl week. Sunday's the game, and we're helping you out with Nick being here, laying out some things from the betting world. We'll break down the game with Baldy here coming up in just a little bit. All right, why do we overthink this game, Nick? As bettors, we overthink this game. I've had a buddy call me three times this week. He started out on the Eagles. He wanted in to the go to Chiefs. He bet the Chiefs, and then he calls me and he says, I regret betting the Chiefs. I'm like, bro, why are you overthinking this? Why do we overthink this game?
2: Well, because there's, there's two weeks and there's nothing going on. Now, maybe like hope like no. Kevin Durant just got traded to the Suns, so maybe like sports fans will have something else to think about for at least a little bit uh, of time here with the NBA trade deadline coming up on Thursday afternoon. Well, there's just two weeks. You know, there's a what else are we going to talk about, right? It's, it's Super Bowl paralysis by analysis, right? Um, so as far as the side of the game is concerned, I'm going to give you guys a big-time cop-out answer here, but I think it's going to result in a winning bet. And I did this last year. People are like, oh, what's your favorite bet for the Rams and Bengals? I'm like, I don't have one. I think the point spread of the game is perfect. Like Philly probably should be a small favorite, or the game should be a pick'em. It's basically pick the winner of the game. My opinion, which could be worth nothing, right? I don't know what's gonna happen when the game is played. I think I have an idea of what's gonna happen in the first half. That'll be the bet I give you. Um, I, I guess I slightly lean towards Kansas City winning the game, like the singular greatness of Mahomes in the second half coming back, but that's just my opinion, like narrative based, right? What I feel really good about is Philly yeah, just, winning just, this game Nick, at the end just of the first half.
1: Just, just uh, is the line one and a half favorite Philly yeah. right now? That's That's yes. been pretty firm, right? That hasn't changed much.
2: So like, yes, the Super Bowl is the most bet-in-two game in America, right? Like World Cup is probably worldwide. But there's so much money in this market. So if you guys hear, like, whether you guys hear someone say this or the listeners hear this, someone's like, well, I think the point spread of the Super Bowl is wrong. It's like, no, actually, you're wrong, like, for thinking that there's so much money in this market. Like the market's just right. And it's going to be this until Sunday. Yeah. Like maybe the game closes a pick them. It's the same exact bet. It's picked the winner of the game. The total is going to close in the low fifties. Like nothing, unless like Mahomes or Jalen hurts gets hurt. This is going to be the side and total of the game that we close at here. Got so you. I like the market thinks the game's a coin flip. I think the game's a coin flip. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to bet the side of the game, which sounds like, Oh my God, it's a super bowl. You have to have a bet. I will. And that'll be Eagles to be winning at the end of the first half. Um, Philly is one of the best first half teams, like literally in the history of the National Football League. I don't know what happens in the second half. Maybe they like play with their food and they get bored a little bit and allow teams to come back. I don't know what it is, but Philly to be winning at the end of the first half. So you can bet Eagles first half minus a half, which means they have to be winning by one, right? Or you can bet Eagles money line minus 120, lay a little more juice. And that way you get your money back if it's tied at halftime. That would be my preferred bet. To Eagles minus 120 first half money line, where I think Philly's advantage in the trenches on both sides will kind of play out um, in the first half here. Eagles leading at halftime. Kansas City has started slow at each of the two Super Bowls they've played in with Mahomes and Andy Reid against San Francisco and then against Tom Brady and Tampa Bay. So, Philly to be leading at the end of the first half, and then like who the hell knows what happens from there? I think Kansas City comes back. Maybe I'll bet that. But I want to watch the first half play out. That's what I feel really good about. Eagles to be winning at the end of 30 minutes.
0: Nick, do you like any of these Mahomes bets that I've seen with his numbers? Because I'm still a little skeptical about the ankle. I know it's been more time, and I get it. He'll be healthier than he was. But do you expect some of these numbers we've seen with Mahomes as far as him living up to some of that with the passing numbers, completions, et cetera?
2: Yeah, I mean, like his his passing yards prop is, is up to 294 and a half. This is how I phrased it uh, yesterday on You Better You Bet on Wednesday, leading up to Super Bowl, leading up to the game. Uh, I would never bet the under on any of the Mahomes stuff, just never. Um, it doesn't mean that he's definitely going to go over, um, but I would never bet the under on it. I'm going to stay away from it. I, I actually kind of like the under in the game, like the end to go under 51 total points. I, I think Kansas City, like they have avenues to be able to score, right? In this game, of course, like they can score a lot of points in the game. I, they are missing like the lightning strike element that, like, Tyreek Hill brought this offense, right? Mm-hmm. And against this particular defense, it's like it's it styles make fights, right? Mm-hmm. In this particular matchup against Philadelphia, I don't think Kansas City's going to have like three play, 80 yard drives in the last like 90 seconds against the Philly defense. Like, Kansas City can score in the game. But they're going to have to, like, to to to, uh, to quote, like, like the great the great chief said, Coach X-Ram, right? They're going to have to matriculate the ball down the field. It's going to take a little bit of time here, right? Like, they're not going to be able to throw unless MVS just like beats the brakes off Slay and Bradbury. I don't see that happening, and they're able to do that. Or Kadarius Tony has an unbelievable game, which is possible, right? Um, yeah, I, I I think it's going to be a bit of a of a of a crawl for Kansas City on offense. Not saying they can't score thirty points, of course they can. Just that I I think it might be a bit of a slog for the Chiefs' offense here. Of course, he can go over. I'd never bet the under. But for me, Carl, the Mahomes stuff is a stay away here. I think the number is probably perfect where it is.
1: Nick, the all-time sack record is by the 1985 Chicago Bears, counting the postseason, 82 sacks. The Eagles stand at 78. Is there any props out there that the Eagles can break the Bears record? They're at 78. They're five sacks away from breaking the NFL record for sacks this season. I- what, what's that look like out there on the on the betting lines?
2: I haven't seen anything with that, but there are, like, that specific bet. That's a great bet, by the way. Like, Sportsbook should have something with that, because that's really awesome. Um, But you can bet Philly to have more sacks than Kansas City in the game. It's actually, like, pretty close to even money. Philadelphia, last I saw, was a slight favorite in that market, maybe minus 115 as opposed to minus 105 for the Kansas City Chiefs. So if you like Philly in that particular market, like Philly to have more sacks in the game, like Philly is obviously, like you said, one of the most proficient, like, sack teams in the history of the National Football League, like, that could be about like, worth making if, if that's kind of how you feel. I, I I kind of look at it, not differently, but I think there's some opportunity, actually, on, on the Kansas City side, potentially, here. There are some player versus player props that you can bet. So, like, Lejarius Sneed versus TJ Edwards, for instance, right? Or, like, Chris Jones versus Sasan Reddick. In this particular market, as far as sacks are concerned, like, Sneed is a big favorite against TJ Edwards, which makes sense. Think about Steve Spagnuolo, right? And I'm a Giants fan. Think back to those to the first Super Bowl against the Patriots. He's blitzing guys from everywhere. That's kind of the Spagnuolo like like blueprint, right? Where Snead should be a favorite over T.J. Edwards. Like that's actually a bet that I think I'm actually going to make is Snead to have a sack before T.J. Edwards. But if you can find, like you, meaning the person listening, kind of like something like a discrepancy in these sack versus sack. So Chris Jones versus Hassan Reddick. Chris Jones is favored in that market against Hassan Reddick, like a pretty big favorite. I think that's a little odd. Like, I know Chris Jones dominated the AFC title game. Also, he was playing against backups. And now he has to, like, go against, you know, the Philly offensive line's pretty good. Uh, so, like, I actually think there's some money to be made in those markets. Player versus player, specific sack markets, where I think some of these, honestly, are, like, mispriced. I would never say, like, the market for the Super Bowl is wrong, side in total. But some of these prop bets can be mispriced, and I think some of those are.
0: Nick, I love your first half bet with the Eagles. I, I love some of the things you're laying out. People are they are thirsty for more information about what they should be betting. Tell the people where they can find you, man, and uh, all the things you guys are talking about out there. You're going to be doing shows, right, Sunday, correct? Sunday leading into yep. the game
2: uh we fly on we fly back on saturday so yeah that that'll be fun Is the the 6 hour flight home followed by the sunday morning show is always a blast <laughs> but uh yeah you better you bet weekdays 3 to 7 p.m. eastern we're on today thursday friday live from phoenix we're broadcasting from the bet mgm sportsbook literally like right outside state farm stadium the side of the game and then sunday morning uh 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. uh nationally eastern time getting you set to bet and win on the super bowl
0: can't wait, man. It's going to be a fun game. I think it'll be entertaining. And more importantly, we hope you get some money. Nick, thanks for stopping by as always, man. Enjoy your time out there. Looking forward to hearing you on Sunday.
2: Appreciate it very much. Uh, wishing you guys and all your listeners minimal sweats when he bets the absolute very best of luck. Baldy, I'll talk to you later today on your right, better Nick, be- you got it. It, yeah, it is,
0: week. It is have my sincere day. hope.
2: It's my sincere hope that Baldy was not like listening to my bets and being like, man, what an idiot. I don't think it's going to play out like this at all.
0: (laughs) Well, you know what? And this gets back to game planning, which we're going to dive into. Nick Costells, thank you so much. All right, guys. Baldy, let's shift gears and talk about the game plan. You heard Nick talk a little bit about matriculating down the field. I want to get your thoughts about the Chiefs and how you think they attack this defense. Andy Reid is one of the all-time greats, right? He'll figure it out. Whether they execute it or not is going to be the question. But I want to hear from you. How do you establish the run early? They've got McKinnon back. They've got uh, Clyde Alaire, you know, Edwards back. Uh, They've got their run guys if they want to attempt to do that. But a lot of people would say, Baldy, you're silly if you're going to try to do that to the Eagles because they're so stout, although they've shown a weakness there against the run. What are you doing if you're the Chiefs breaking down how important
1: it is for the Chiefs to try to establish the run in this game? Well, the good thing for the Chiefs is they've gone up against Jacksonville and Cincinnati, and in those games, both those teams played a lot of five-man defensive fronts, and that's what the Eagles play, uh, at least on first down. And the Chiefs had a great deal of trouble running the ball on first down against Cincinnati. So, I mean, they just didn't get movement, Carl. And then they had a hard time trying to figure out how to get the safety blocked. And so they had, you know, whether it was Hilton or Jesse Bates, they had a hard time getting them out of there. So sometimes you can throw it uh, to loosen them up and then run it. Um, that, that's a formula that Andy, uh, you know, basically specializes at. I The Eagles, they, they're going to dress 10 defensive linemen, Carl. They dress 10 in the championship game. And they all play. They all play. And they're all healthy. Mm. You know, Robert Quinn was traded for – He's got over a hundred career sacks, right? He's been a very good player. He has done very little in Philadelphia, got hurt when he got there, but he's healthy right now. You know, and Dominic Kitsu has played a lot. He's played in these Super Bowl games. Yeah. He knows it just takes one play. Um, Jordan Davis, the rookie from Georgia, is healthy. He's gonna play. Like they're 10 deep and they're gonna rotate him. So the idea that I've heard people say, well, they should go no huddle and tire the defensive line <laughs> out. All right. Maybe for a series, maybe that's a hard way to make a living. So this, this is a challenge for Isaiah Pacheco and Jet McKinnon. And if Clyde Edwards-Alaire, who's healthy now, and if he's active, I think they're going to have a hard time running the ball against them. They ran for 47 yards against the Cincinnati Bengals, Carl. Now, they're very good up front. They're very good against the run. Um, the Eagles are a little better in the secondary, I think, than Cincinnati is. So we'll see if they could throw it against them like they did against Cincinnati, which where they had success. And MVS had one of his best games ever. Let's shift gears and talk about what
0: Spags is going to do. Spagnolo against this Eagles offense. So it starts right with, with containing the RPO with Jalen, right? I mean, that's, that's their bread and butter. And if Jalen gets going now, you've got to defend him, which adds a whole nother element, so what are you doing on the ends or, or up the middle, you know, to try to slow that down a little bit, Baldy? I don't think you stop it, but you can't allow him to pick up those crucial third downs or for that matter, you know, for them to get that going. And then all of a sudden play action, boom, and they're hitting you down the field.
1: It's a great question, Carl. I mean, I've known Spags a long time. Um, his cover three, you know, formula is on my whiteboard in my office um, the year that he was out of football. He spent a lot of time up there. Um you know, he studied you – know, be, before Spags went to Kansas City, Carl, he uh, he studied – he was out of football for a year, and he spent the year studying the college game. Hmm. And a lot of it was the spread and the RPO game, Carl. Because that's what's going on there, right? Because all. it all came to the NFL, and the Eagles are very good at it. And Jalen is excellent. Jalen is uh, – he's an excellent decision maker when it comes to that. Um, you know, whether to to give it, to throw it, to pull it and run it, um, he's really a triple option threat. Um, it really gave San Francisco at times, not all the time, at times it gave him a lot of problems. I mean, you see Nick Bosa and Fred Warner just frozen, you know, just waiting to see where the ball's going. They didn't know. And so th- they got a couple things going. One, they've got great speed at linebacker, Nick Bolton and Willie Gay. I mean, tremendous speed. So even mm-hmm. if they're frozen for a second, they've got makeup speed. Um, Spaggs is the king. Like Nick just talked about Legarius Sneed with the sack. He's excellent at picking and choosing his blitzes. And a lot of his blitzes come from the secondary where you get speed to the quarterback, not necessarily a big guy where you mug the a gaps and all right, who's coming, who's not coming. He, he likes to blitz off the slot and off the corners with speed. And LeGarrius is a four, three guy. Um, So that's one way. It was amazing to watch the AFC championship game, Carl, and to see when LeJerry Sneed got hurt on the fourth play of the game that Joshua Williams came in, they ended up playing four rookies in the secondary, four. Not one or two, but Jalen Watson, you know, and Joshua Williams and Brian Cook, I mean, four rookies were playing, Trent McDuffie, and they were all really well coached up. They played the ball in the air very well. They gave up the one touchdown to T. Higgins. So, you know, if I'm I'm Jalen, and I'm looking out there at Joshua Williams or Jalen Watts. I'm like, I like my matchup with A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. I think he's going to take his shots down the field against bags in those corners, regardless of what he does up front to him.
0: Yeah, I I want to know what you think about. I keep hearing this, and, you know, I've gone back. I've watched some some more of the Eagles because I just wanted to dive in. And I keep hearing, you know, that their their weakness from a defensive standpoint is their linebackers, right? That you're going to be able to match up against those linebackers, White, Edwards, a- and complete plays against them. Do you feel that way? Do you feel like that? And again, when we say weakness, look, this defense is great. But if you're looking at ways to attack it, you've got to find those, those points where you can go, all right, hey, we can make some hay here. Do you feel that way with those linebackers?
1: A little bit. I mean, it's it, look, T.J. Edwards – Um, first of all, if you need a linebacker, just go to Wisconsin. They they come out every year, and that's where TJ's from. I know GMs in the league, Carl, that said if the Eagles ever decided to part ways with TJ Edwards, they would sign that guy as a priority free agent. I mean, never comes off the field, never gets hurt, leads the the team in tackles every year. I mean, he's a great – he's a very good underrated player. But what you're saying is the Eagles play a lot of dime linebackers, right? Where it's just TJ, five-man defense front, they'll walk Chauncey Gardner Johnson up or Marcus Epps, one of the one of the safeties up to play linebacker. And so you can attack them because they're undersized there in, in the run game. That's one thing. Um, you know, this this Kelsey Mahomes connection is unlike anything we've ever seen. Um, even the touchdown to Kelsey against Cincinnati in the AFC Championship game. It looked like it was just kind of a, like, it was, it was an unscripted play. It was a fourth and one play. And they took the the guys that were running short routes away. And Mahomes just bought some time. They moved the pocket. And, you know, Kelsey goes one-on-one with Jesse Bates, the end zone, and just throws it away from the safety. And, and Kelsey comes down with it. Like a lot of their plays, they're kind of unscripted. So that's a part of the field that you're talking about that can be exploited, I believe, in this game. and because, But not necessarily for big plays, although Kelsey's excellent after the catch. You just have to make sure you tackle the catch. You know, as soon as Kelsey catches it, you got to attack him. You, gotta, you, you can't miss. I want your offensive lineman brain right now. It's in the
0: huddle, guys. Subscribe. We put out new episodes Tuesday and Thursday. This is leading up to the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 57. We've got Eagles. We've got Chiefs Sunday. And I cannot wait. So... From an offensive lineman standpoint, what makes Kelsey and Lane Johnson so good on that Eagles offensive line? They're not the only ones, but they are arguably the best ones, okay? What makes them so good uh, from an offensive
1: lineman standpoint, Baldwin? Well, first, to, to begin with, Carl, they're the two best athletes at their positions in the NFL. So that's a combination of power That's a combination of speed. Like, you know, Lane Johnson, I still think he has the fastest 40 time Mm. of any offensive lineman to come through the draft. He came out in 2013. He ran in the low four sevens. He runs faster than every defensive lineman he goes up against. And I, I, look, I'm friends with Lane. I work out in his house. His barn's always open to me. So I see him all the time. He never stops training ever. Like even during this injury, like the training never, never ends. But, you know kelsey is an amazing player carl like he's been there 12 years when you see him run and like he's blocking dre greenlaw in the mc championship game dre greenlaw runs as as fast as any linebacker in this league and he's on him and dre greenlaw can't get off him Mm. like kelsey's running step for step with them blocking them down the field they're the two best athletes at their positions. they run better they're balanced they're never on the ground um Kelsey's a little undersized, but, you know, his power and how he hits people, knocking, you know, Nick Bosa to the ground, he still is a very powerful guy. So it starts with that. And even if you go back to five years ago, the championship game against the Patriots, Super Bowl 52, um, you watch those guys athletically in that game. That was a problem for the Patriots yeah. all game long. And how they were able to get to the second levels, how they are able to pull and lead on the perimeter. Um, they had an ability – to really stretch the running game, literally, Carl, from sideline to sideline because of their ability to run. We talk about Kelsey. we got to give flowers to Dallas
0: Goddard. I think he's incredible. Um, And I don't know if he gets the love that he deserves with what he does in this offense. I actually think he might be, you know, and and we talk about these, you know, the the guys that are going to be the difference makers. He might be the guy that has two touchdowns in this game from Jalen Hurts. Once they, if they're able to get into the red zone and score because he's so reliable and I know Hertz, trust him. Yeah. Talk about Goddard a little bit and, and what he does for this Eagles offense. Well, you're spot on
1: Carl. I mean, really your, your scout report is very good. Um, first of all, he, you know, we, we call a, a real tight end one that lines up next to the offensive tackle blocks. We call them a why a true why he's a true why, like he mm-hmm. can, he can block the edges. If he's in a combo block with Lane Johnson or, uh, Jordan Mulata, like, he, he he can take guys off the line of scrimmage. He's a very good blocker. He's big. He's got big hands. He's a big target. He's got a big reach. Um, they run a lot of different plays for him, Carl. They'll run um, tight end drags across the formation like he's coming in in motion to block, and they'll drag him out. They'll run tight end delays where he's there blocking, blocking, delay, you know, screen to him. They'll run the seam routes, you know, the, the bang eights and the seams. To to him. They they get the ball to him a variety of ways. And you're absolutely correct. in that Jalen loves him. And I remember when he got hurt. He got hurt. The Eagles were 8 0 and they were playing the Washington Commanders. That's the game they lost to start the season. And in that game, Goddard got hurt. And it was like, even though they, they lost a the game and it was one loss, there was a hush over the whole Philadelphia team when he went out. Like, how are we gonna,
0: mm.
1: you know, manufacture that position? Of Dallas Goddard. And he was out for like six weeks and they figured it out. But th- the concern for the offense was was real, was real, Carl. Real. Like, okay, how do we how do we patch the blocking? How do we how do we figure this out without him? Because he is such an integral part. And when you think about AJ and Devontae on the outside or however they run those guys, you you cannot take your eyes off Goddard because he will beat you. In fact, I think in every game he's played this year. He's had at least one reception of 14 yards or more. So, you know, that's that's pretty significant. Um, it's not, you know, every player. Or anything. He, he's a guy that you have to pay attention to. So the one reason why I'm leaning Eagles
0: in this game is because they have something I don't think the the, the Chiefs have. And, you know, Nick alluded to this when we were talking with him about the gambling aspect of, of what you want to bet on. You just mentioned it. Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown. right? They've got guys that can test you deep. And Randy Moss used to say, right? take the top off the defense. Chiefs don't have anybody that scare me right now, Baldy. Mm-hmm. They just don't. So even though I'm afraid of their quarterback and his ability to do all that stuff he does, they don't scare me where I go, hey, we could get beat deep. We got to be careful. And because the Eagles do, I'm leaning Eagles because I think that adds an element for them with the run game and, and and hurts. All the things you just talked about with Goddard, that gives them an advantage in this game. I I truly believe that.
1: No, I don't think I don't think you take everybody away, Carl. I don't think. I mean, I saw a play last week where Cincinnati or Kansas City, you know, doubled three different players for Cincinnati. All right. With three man rush. You give a three man rush to Jalen Hurts now. Um, you give him a lot of lanes to go, just run and just pull it down for ten yards, get a fresh set of downs. Because he'll see that. Now, that's not what Joe Burrow does. Um, he threw right. the ball, but you know that's what Jalen does. So you really, I mean, Spags going to mix it up. But you know there was a there was a game this year, and I know you remember Carl against Pittsburgh, where AJ Brown caught three touchdown passes, all of them were go Deep. routes. Yes, and Pittsburgh had no answer. You know, if like Jalen, I. And after that game, because he had been doing that all season, and I said, Jalen might be the best deep ball thrower in the NFL. Now, you can argue Josh Allen or any of these Mahomes, any of these guys. That's fine. But, you know, he really trusts his guys to go up and get a 50-50 ball. And and Devontae is extremely athletic. Um, AJ, same thing. And it really started week one against Detroit. Like, his ability just to throw go balls to these guys. Mm. All right. You know, it's. You you get these Chuck plays out of the offense, and they just feel like they've gone for it on fourth down this year, Carl. Counting the postseason, thirty-five times, they've converted twenty-five out of thirty-five times. Um, so they're not afraid to play four down territory. Like you know, in that in that uh, NFC Championship game, they went for it on fourth and one at their own thirty-four yard line. You know, in the first half in a seven-seven game, they don't fear the fourth down. So a lot of teams won't go deep you know, on first down because they're like, well, you know, it puts us in a bind, we're behind the sticks. So Eagles don't think like that. They'll go for it on first down, first and 10, and take the, the shot because they they feel confident that they got three more downs where they could go get a first down.
0: Um, It's silly to even debate, you know, a coaching advantage. Andy Reid is a Hall of Famer, but going into this single game, Is there something that Nick Sirianni is doing, has been doing, that maybe you feel like gives the Eagles an advantage? Because, you know, we're going to talk about these two coaches, and everybody knows the history now. I think most people do if you don't. You know, when Big Red comes into Kansas City, Sirianni's there. He doesn't retain him on the staff. It's been talked about this week. And Sirianni said, hey, look, I pay all respects to to Andy Reid. He showed me a lot about how to handle those situations, and I understand why I wasn't retained. I didn't like it, but I understand. Is there any advantage either way? Because Andy's been here and done that, or Sirianni because he hasn't. There's no fear.
1: I don't think so. I think the only advantage Andy has is he's got Patrick Mahomes. Hmm. You know, um, yeah, you know the, the connection between Andy and Patrick, and you know plays that you know they've been there together for five years as starters. You know, and we've seen the best five year run of every any quarterback coach ever in the history of the game, the highest quarterback rating, all this stuff. But that's the only advantage. But the one thing about Nick that has impressed me this year, Carl, is not only is he prepared and has his team prepared, but they've got a lot of good answers to the test, whether it's fourth downs, whether it's game-specific situations. He doesn't look unprepared. You don't see unnecessary timeouts being called. You don't see indecision whether to challenge or not challenge. He's not a big guy to challenge plays. Um, he's got a quarterback that looks totally in command, and they have a good relationship. And, you know, Nick um, is a guy that doesn't call plays. He he, he hands that off to Shane Steich and Jonathan Gannon. He's in charge of the game and the flow of the game. And so Nick has really impressed me by just the subtle things that you need to do to win the down, to win the situation, not always to win the game because they've they've blown a lot of teams out this year. But I've been impressed, the game plans. The only thing I would say, Carl, is there are some games where you go, what are you doing, Nick? Why aren't you just handing the ball off to Miles Sanders? To hit? Sure. He'll do that from time to time, and they will come out and just throw it. And you go, you didn't even try to run the ball. And he has done that going, going back to last year's playoff loss to Tampa. And so that's the only question mark. Will Nick have like a really smart game plan where he's not waiting to the second quarter to get into or, or, or halftime to change it? Because I've seen that on occasion. That's the only knock I have on Nick over the last two years.
0: It's going to be a fun Sunday. Cannot wait. We'll be talking about it next week with you guys as it plays out. And then we'll be looking to the off season, which is going to be incredible. I mean, look, there's already all this stuff that has happened leading into the offseason with teams hiring coaches and new coordinators and then player movement. And then obviously, Baldy, we got the combine coming up and we're going to start talking about evaluating these college guys. And we got a lot to look forward to. But Sunday, it's all about the Super Bowl. Yes, Super Bowl 57. Baldy, thanks so much as always. Have a great week, guys. Follow Baldy. Make sure you check out Baldy's breakdowns and you'll see him on NFL Network. We appreciate you guys being here with us in the huddle. Subscribe, tell your friends, and thanks for all the love, man. This thing is growing, and it's getting bigger and bigger each week. So thanks to you guys for uh, checking us out. By the way, before we go, fly, Eagles, fly. I like the Eagles in the Super Bowl. It's hard for me to bet against the best defense, even though they're going up against the best offense. In those two situations in the past, in the Super Bowl, the best defense has always prevailed. So we've got two examples. I think we'll have a third on Sunday. I can't go against the Eagles in this one. It'll be close, but I've got the Eagles winning the game. Baldy, take care. We'll see you next week, guys. Take care, Carl. Yep. Good job, buddy.